0: This podcast includes frank discussions of mature themes that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is intended to provide encouragement and support through personal storytelling. The views expressed are the opinions of the participants and not intended to be medical, legal, clinical, or professional information or advice of any kind. Welcome to the Bubble Hour.
1: Welcome to the Bubble Hour. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. Welcome, 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 welcome welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bubble Hour. I own it, I did that, not proud but that was me, and when I face it, I take back a little dignity, not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from power, weakness head on.
0: Jean McCarthy and you're listening to The Bubble Hour. Hello and welcome to The Bubble Hour Archives, a treasure trove of episodes ranging from 2012 to 2022. I'm recovery advocate and author Jean McCarthy. I joined The Bubble Hour as a host in season two. Together with other hosts over the years, Ellie, Lisa, Amanda, and Catherine, we all extend to you our gratitude for listening and a heartfelt wish that this podcast will find a welcome home in your recovery toolkit. The resources mentioned on the show are available at TheBubbleHour.com, including information on the online support group called the BFB, or Booth-Free Brigade, often mentioned on the show. Now, if you're hearing this message, you're listening to one of our free archived episodes, and we'll make sure that there are loads of these available for you to enjoy. These are partial versions of the original recordings, and if you want to hear more, you can listen to full versions and the entire back catalog ad-free by joining us on Patreon. So just head to patreon.com slash thebubblehour to learn more. I'll also put a link in the show notes to make it easier. Even easier for you to find that. So, all right then, enjoy the show.
1: Hi, this is
2: Elliot. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. I'm here tonight not only with my co-hosts Lisa and Amanda, but we're actually having a special episode of the Bubble Hour this week with a group. The group, group, a group. A group of sober friends, and we are tackling the topic of cognitive distortion, followed by cognitive restructuring, which is essentially a fancy way of saying we're talking about the way that our brain functions when we are distorting facts, to try to fit our perception and then ways that we can um, think more positively. And they sort of boils to that. What was the expression that what you feed is what grows? What were we talking about, Lisa? We were talking about the walls within the... Uh Old story about the grandfather telling his grandson who came to him with anger at a friend who had done him an injustice. And the grandson told the, the grandfather told the grandson a story about himself. He said, I see at times I've thought of great hate for those that have taken so much with no sorrow for what they do. That hate wears you down. It does not hurt your enemy. It is like taking poison and wishing your enemy would die. I have struggled with these feelings many times, he continued. It is if, it is as if there are two wolves inside me. One is good and does no harm. He lives in harmony with all those around him and does not take offense when no offense was intended. He will only fight when it is right to do so, and he fights in the right way. But the other wolf, he is so full of anger. The littlest thing will set him into the fittest temper. He fights with everyone, all the time, for no reason. He cannot see because his anger and hate are so great. It is helpless anger, for his anger will change nothing. Sometimes it is hard to live with these two wolves inside me, for both of them try tried to dominate my spirit. The boy looked intently into his grandfather's eyes and asked, Which one wins, grandfather? The grandfather smiled and quietly said, The one I see. Yeah, that's definitely a great analogy or terrible what it is that we want to talk about tonight because I think most of us who are drinking or have, um, who are alcoholics can identify with how we can distort our thinking to fit our, distort our thinking to fit our drinking patterns where you might be caught, you might know that you might have a problem with alcohol, but you might compare yourself to somebody and say, I'm not that bad because so and so is worse or this has never happened to me. And even as you're drinking it's progressing, you can come up with sort of alternative realities to fit what it is that you want to be true. But what we're going to talk about tonight has more to do with how these behavior, these thinking patterns and negative self-talk patterns can continue even into sobriety and talk a little bit about some tools that we all use to help ourselves beyond negative thought patterns. And just briefly, we're going to pick some of the 10 most common cognitive distortions or ways of thinking and Some of these might be familiar to you. There is the all-or-nothing thinking. This type of thinking is characterized by absolute terms like always, never, and forever. Few situations are ever this absolute There are generally gray areas. Eliminate these absolute terms from your vocabulary, except for the cases when they truly apply. And I think this is important. Look for a more accurate description of the situation. There's also overgeneralization. When one overgeneralizes, one takes an isolated case or cases and assumes that all others are the same. Are people really all mean and superficial? Or maybe could all people not like you or not want to be with you? If you're thinking in generalizations, you are, um, taking a small example and turning it like a small negative thought and turning it into a generalization about an entire group of people or situation. And that could be very destructive. To. There's also the mental filter. When a person falls victim to mental filters, they are mentally singling out only the bad events in their lives and overlooking the positive. And learning to look for a silver lining in every cloud can help you both sort of have a more accurate self-description of what's really happening in your life and the way that you perceive things. And it helps you choose how you let events affect you. Disqualifying the positive. Most people are masters at taking the good in a situation and turning it into a negative. Part of this to our tendency to have low self-esteem. We feel like we just don't deserve goodness in our lives. And how to turn this around is kind of simple. The next time someone calls at you, for example, resist the little voice inside you that says you don't deserve it. Just say thank you and smile. And the more you practice this, the easier it will become. Jumping to conclusion, when we fall victim to our own insecurities, we expect the worst, and we begin preparing early for disappointment. I can't say how many times I've had these conversations about all the negative, I call it awfulizing or catastrophizing, all the bad scenarios are so easy to play out in my head, but jumping to conclusions for something positive almost never happened. It's much harder to think positively. Magnification and minimization. They give the example of looking for a telescope from the wrong direction and everything looks tinier than it really is, but when you look to the other end, everything looks larger. People who fall into the magnification minimization trap look at all their successes through the wrong end of the telescope and their failures through the other end, magnifying the negative and minimizing the positive, in other words. Emotional reasoning, when a situation, well, they give an example here of Laura looks around her untidy house and feels overwhelmed by the prospect of cleaning. She feels that it's hopeless to even try to clean. And she based her assessment of the situation on how it makes her feel, not how it really is. Oftentimes, or we hear in recovery that feelings are not fat. I've often heard that feelings can't kill you. They just feel like they will. And how often we could take a feeling and inflate it to the point where it becomes fat in our mind. Labeling and mislabeling. And another good example of that here. the Donna just cheated of her diet and she thinks, I'm fat. I'm a fat lazy pig. What Donna has done is label herself as lazy and hopeless. And she will most likely reason that since she can't lose weight, she may as well eat. She has now effectively trapped herself by living up to the label she placed on herself. And, you know, we can have our, our addictive voices that speak to us and tell us, oh, you're, you know, you're full of shame or guilt or um, anger or resentment, and so you drink over that, and then you tell yourself, well, I've already screwed that up, I'm drinking again, and so the cycle kind of continues, and the labeling can really feed that cycle of destruction. Personalizing, taking everything personally, as we give an example here of, Somebody's son is doing poorly in school, and she feels that she must be a bad mother, and it's all her fault that her son isn't studying. And that taking the responsibility for how her son is doing in school and failing to take into consideration that her son is an individual who is ultimately responsible for herself. And that she can do her best to guide him, but in the end, he controls his actions. And that's definitely something that I struggle with. The over-responsibility for other people's <laughs> emotions is something that I do all the time. Should statement, this is another one you hear a lot in recovery, don't should on yourself. What was that, Melinda, wife that showed up? Yep. I like that. When you're thinking to yourself that things should be a certain way, but let's face it, things are never exactly the way that you would like them to be, and prostrating and what you can change, letting go of the things that you can, is a big part of acceptance and, and having a balanced recovery. So having talked a little bit about the cognitive distortion, I'm just briefly going to go through some cognitive restructuring, Tools that you can use there are ways to kind of turn the negative thinking around and even just gain an awareness of when you find yourself thinking negatively or getting into thought patterns that can be destructive. The cognitive restructuring incorporates the following concepts that are proven to successfully change lines. Each person has two lines, the conscious and the subconscious. The conscious mind belongs to you, but your subconscious belongs to your early environment and those who raised you. Most of, us, most of who you are have not much to do with you. Negative programming is the major cause of low self-respect, distorted thinking and self-defeating thoughts and behaviors. The negative circumstances in your life are not all your fault. You are responsible for your actions, but others must take responsibility for some of your bad programming. You may not have control over your subconscious mind, but you do over your conscious mind. Each accountable person knows right from wrong. Not everyone who comes from a dysfunctional house becomes a criminal. To become a criminal is a conscious choice. I, I, some of these things feel like kind of generalizations to me but there's one way that I kind of roll it up in my head is I, I think of my alcoholism and my recovery in the following way and sometimes it helps me separate over responsibility from it I think that I'm not responsible for being an alcoholic. My alcoholism is not my fault but my recovery is my responsibility mm-hmm. and, and this is a whole other show topic with people who grapple with the idea of alcoholism as a disease because sounds like an excuse but can't help it, it's not my fault, it's a disease well I firmly believe that in my case, or this is my belief, this is my opinion here, but that the alcoholism is a disease, but that doesn't relieve me of my responsibility to do to recover. Then it says that you don't get to choose your parents or your early environments, and you didn't have control over beginning, but you do have control over your ending. I, one of the best things i heard in recovery is somebody who said, you know, the best thing about recovery is that you get to write your own endings, and I think that's mm-hmm. so true. Yeah. After I, Picked up the first drink. I didn't control what happened. Never did. The other one is that you keep doing on what you, keep on doing what you have been doing. You will keep on getting what you have been getting. If you want to stop what you are getting, you'll have to stop what you are doing. If you don't stop what you are doing, life will get harder and harder. Again, they're all these all sort of turning to bumper stickers at some point. But it's, I hear all the time like you can't fake your way into right acting, but you can act your way into right thinking. And that's kind of the or fake it till you make it or just do it. You can't always think your way out of... The, well, actually, I think most times you can't think your way out of a problem because that's how you develop these patterns that can backfire on you. Much of life is based on perception or belief and not necessarily the truth. You are not your bad memory or what other people say you are. The truth is that you are many times better than you think you are. The more you find the truth about yourself, the happier you will be. And I think that truth involves both the things we don't like and the things that we do or the things that we seek to avoid... Sometimes weaning into or embracing the thing about myself that I want to change the most actually makes it easier for me to accept it. Instead mm-hmm. of trying to constantly go around it or minimize it or find to relate it on somebody else. Just leaning into those mm-hmm. things about myself that I wish for true helps
0: me change. That. Do you ever wish for a little bit of recovery inspiration on the go? Tiny Bubbles is a new podcast that brings you the best bits of the Bubble Hour podcast in quick little episodes, just 15 minutes long, but packed with wisdom, insight, and encouragement to live your life wholeheartedly and alcohol-free. Look for Tiny Bubbles wherever you get podcasts and subscribe today. Tiny Bubbles, little bits of recovery goodness brought to you by the Bubble Hour. Sometimes all you need is a little pep talk so you can get back to living that beautiful life you're building.
2: You can change who you are by changing what you are doing. You can change from doing wrong to right as long as soon as you want to. Never too late. Excuses are the only reasons why you don't want to change. You can change regardless of your circumstances and you alone are responsible for who you are becoming in this life. So that's a kind of detailed explanation of what we want to get into sort of more by sharing what this topic makes us think about, things that we relate to, if they're either from a, where we are and how we talk to ourselves, if you if you have developed an awareness of negative self-talk, or if you catch yourself. And the one that really resonates with me is that always, never, the generalization, mm-hmm. I do it about myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If I do something wrong, we will always do that, or I'm, you know, I'm such a screw up, or I, I mean, I love everything into a general category, but of being like, I did that specific thing wrong, or I could have done that specific thing better. I turn it into a, you know, I can never do anything right. I jump right into that sort of all or nothing right. thinking. And then we also want to share people who have our certain, sort of cultivated awareness of this kind of thinking. What sort of things do you do that help you get out of it? Or are there things that help you get out of it? Is it something that you're still actively experiencing and that you're struggling with? That the sort of guilt cycle that even if you're not drinking, it keep you stuck in sort of an addictive mindset of shame or fear or guilt or doubt. I mean, if that's the kind of thing that's going around and around in your head all the time, trying to find ways to get that can derail that negative train and find more ways to kind of gear yourself into a more positive frame of mind. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, that's what we're here to talk about. And I've got a whole gang of people here who are awesome, and I guess we'll open it up. We just you can say your name if you want to or not, and just share what you're thinking. All right. Sounds great. All right. Thank you, yeah, ladies. Thank you. are welcome. Okay. Hi, I'm Sarah, and um. Actually, for me, you know, I couldn't say specifically one of those examples applied to me, but I could say that all of them do. So what comes to mind for me is that I I frequently just what I'm looking for. I I don't give myself credit for small accomplishment, large accomplishment, achievement. And Mm -hmm. I'm more apt to think about the things that I haven't big things that I haven't done or little things that I haven't done, whether it be looking at my life in a broad perspective or just looking at the last few hours of the day. So I guess I've always had that tendency to self-deprecate and minimize my positive attributes and accomplishments. So since I've been sober, I've really been very much aware of this tendency. Um, I'm trying now at the end of the day to make a list when I start to, or even in, in self-talk when I start to just say, I, you know, I haven't done anything. you know, this morning, I'll I'll just stop myself, say stop, and 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 it doesn't matter if it's a very small thing, like make a phone call to my mother or put the dishes away. I'm just trying to take. Stock and And take some pride in, in the smaller smaller accomplishment, and then at the end of the day every day i I make a list of um of things that I've done, some of them might be pretty big accomplishments like putting myself out there for a new job or um, writing a poem, and some of them might be very small, like putting the dishes away or doing the laundry or making dinner I'm mm-hmm. um, just feeling good about the things that I do do rather than. Focusing on the things that I don't do. Like, that. awesome. Really Thank you. Idea. Thank you. Yeah. I like that. Oh, I'm Lisa. And I think that on the sort a of going dovetail on Kathera. I really, what was really resonating with me was disqualifying the positive, And a lot of that entails when people will say things to me like, I don't know, like, I like your outfit. Because yeah. I don't Um... <laughs> I'm not really much of a style maven. I dress like a tomboy. Or they'll say, I like your hair. Or just something. Or you're you're nice. Or, or you're, you know. You're funny. I'm funny. Yeah, whatever. And I'll always. Oh, where you are. <laughs> <laughs> now the crush yourself.
1: Right. Uh,
2: but I will sit there and and, and what i used to do. I'm like working at the... I would say I I would argue with people and tell them why they were wrong about that. You know, like I'm not cute. Oh, look at this, you know, debt that I have, or look at all this weight that I've gained. Or look at how much, you know, my toenails are chipped or I don't know. I mean, just fill in the blank. And I kind of learned really an early sobriety from someone that that I really had a close relationship with, how to start accepting a compliment. And because I used to basically. When people said nice things to me, I didn't trust them. Mm-hmm. I thought they were being dishonest with me. Or crazy, right? Or they have really bad taste. <laughs> and so, and also, I what that was, like that was a reflection of my own dishonesty. That was a reflection of me people pleasing and telling people they looked nice because I wanted them to feel good. And I tried to manage other people's feelings, so I assumed everybody else tried to do the same mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. And so, as I worked on myself. Um, I started practicing when people would tell me something, I would take it at big value. And if they were lying to me or saying nice, that's really none of my business.
1: Ooh, and so yeah.
2: I did I just started, you know. In fact I think when we were here, I don't I I don't know when it was, somebody said something nice to me and I I physically struggled to just go, Thank you. <laughs> I will take Howard. that compliment and allow it to nurture my inner child. You know, <laughs> it's just whatever it takes, but just the practice thing of just saying thank you. And if they're, you know, blown smoke, they're blown smoke. But it's really not my business. And the truth is that today I surround to myself with people who are really authentic. And and that has really helped me. And the more that I do that and the more that I practice and the more that it also unpractic and trusting y'all. You know, when I say y'all I mean Collective y'all, humans in the world. This is fun, especially the recovering ones because those are the ones I feel the most safe with. you know? yeah. so
1: even if I,
2: even if the normies are saying nice things to me, it's, you know, if their motives are not my business, and so I just try to say thank you and move on instead of thank you, but mm-hmm. you should have seen my face last week. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, I had this hormonal breakout. It was horrible. You know, I don't need to qualify their compliments. And so That's what I have to share. Booyah. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> thank I thank really you. I needed to hear that. Hi, I'm Holly. We were talking earlier on about a negative thought patterns and one of the issues that I had to deal with early on in my own sobriety was that I was I was the perfectionist. I am the perfectionist. And I really struggle with that. And I can do, out of 100 tasks, I can do 99 of them really well. And if one of them didn't live up to my expectations, my brain would seize on that and would upset and start to to, chew. And I wouldn't be able to put it out of my mind and it would completely derail my thinking, I would just be upset about what I didn't get, what I need to do the next time and how I need to get this right. And, and, and I wasn't, I wasn't even really aware that I was doing it until I, I got into recovery. And it was so ridiculous because I've been a teacher and, and, and I'm a musician and I'm an encourager of other people and I never have expected perfection in other people, why I expected it from myself w- w- was, you know, a, a, a subtle way for me to allow myself to drink, because, mm-hmm. you know, if I held myself to an unrealistic standard, then I was always going to fail. Right. And then that just brings in the, you know, that, and, and, and somebody said to me one time that those kind of thinking patterns, they, they, when you do them over and over again, as I was, when it becomes obsessive, they run grooves like in the road you know they they that that thinking gets so ingrained and, and that and that rut becomes so deep and even when you don't want to your thoughts will go right into that rut and I found trying to change that way of thinking was really difficult for me and it wasn't until I read a book called The Untethered Soul and it was talking about about the way that you observe your own thought. And I had never done that. I don't think, certainly not consciously, in my adult life. And rather than finding another reason to put myself down, this kind of thinking is negative. This isn't doing you any good. It's sort of like saying to someone, "Whatever you do, don't picture a polar bear." And then all you can do it's like, is the truth. So rather than saying to myself, "Stop thinking that way," "Stop thinking that way," I I tried to step back and just observe what my thoughts were and observe and, and find an inch. Well, it's interesting that, that, that one out of 100 things, that one thing that I didn't do absolutely to perfection is really eating at me. That's interesting. And I tried to just step, step back and observe it. And then as we said, other people have said, change the channel, move on, go in another direction. And and direction. And, and it was something that I had to practice because those grooves were so deep. My thought pattern so quickly jumped to that obsessive negative loop that I found it was it, it was like exercising a different set of muscles. I had to really, and sometimes it would happen five, six, seven, eight times a minute. I my mind would hop back to it, and I'd realize twenty seconds later, oh crap, I'm I'm thinking about this again. Well, isn't that interesting? And then I really had to, you know, sort of, and you know, have a conversation with myself. To begin to, to allow myself to just observe my thoughts, not have them be categorized or labeled as negative or positive, just an awareness mm-hmm. of what they are. And that awareness has enabled me to to not expect perfection of myself because, of course, once you become aware of it, you realize how ridiculous it is. Why am I doing this to myself? But I'd done it for so many years when I was drinking that when I stopped drinking, that thinking still stayed mm-hmm. and that was the thing that I had to change right and 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 for me, in was it was a raising of the awareness many of the things on that list of ten things that Ellie talked about in the beginning, I'm very guilty of i i I really could remate and identify with a lot of them, but in my particular case, it was the the just the negative that negative dialogue, no matter. How many good things you do in a day, like Sarah was saying, the large and small good things you do in the day, I would just zero in on those things that weren't up to, to a ridiculously high standard of perfection. And, and of course, there's no serenity in that. Mm -hmm. You never have serenity in that kind of thinking. And so I've really been, I've really been pleasantly surprised with, with my ability. It didn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen all the time, but, the time I'm able to let it go. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to just relax. Okay. I thought about that. Now I can move on to something else. And and it's really, really that it, it helps with the with the negative thinking for me anyway. Thanks. Thank you. So you really Thank you. retrain. I am the entire working on it.
1: Oh, it's
2: <laughs> right. It's a process. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I have. Uh, this is Amanda, and I, I. It's been a similar thing for me. That's one of the things I've had to work really hard at. I, I had a lot of negativity towards myself. I didn't show it on the outside. On the outside, you would think I was extremely confident and well put together, but inside, the negative thoughts in my head were—they were, were kind of crazy, and and I didn't even realize that when I was in it. And it's kind of like drinking. I didn't realize I had a problem when I was in that either. And I'm learning how to change those thoughts it was a huge help for me. And, you know, one of the first things I learned is in, in uh, is to, when I when my thoughts got going crazy, to just say stop or no out loud and just say it loud and, and recognize that I was having the crazy thoughts. And it's actually, it, there was a suggestion, that was a suggestion I got in one of the programs that I went to and it really, really helped me. And what they said is once you, you start doing that and you hear how often you're saying stop, then you start to recognize mm-hmm. how often you're negative thinking, you know, how often you are thinking negatively. But then like learning what to do with it, I found when I was disturbed, it was an immediate response to me to say, hey, you need to get in the back feet and watch what's going on here, and I don't, that's like my best way I know of how to describe it, but I would take a back seat on my life, when my life was, when my thoughts were out of control, when my thinking was just really negative, I would just have to sit back, and you know, let, let my life play in front of me, until I felt that I was in a better state of mind, like I had calmed down, enough to deal with it in a rational way. And it, it's, I, I don't always do it that well, but leads to me having these, I, I like, I laugh at myself sometimes. And I think I even said this last week. Like sometimes I just laugh. I'm like, you are out of your mind. Like I, I'll recognize it now. And it's something that I actually enjoy catching myself at because I like working on these things now because my life has improved so dramatically just from recognizing, like, wow, you have beat yourself up for years.
0: Take Good Care is a new collection of recovery readings inspired by the Bubble Hour. If you love the encouragement and support you find here on this podcast, then this new book is for you. Visit TheBubbleHour.com for more information or check the show notes for a link to purchase. You'll find Take Good Care on Amazon Worldwide. Take good care for recovery reading inspired by The Bubble Hour, the perfect gift for yourself and friends. Help others find the message of recovery we champion on The Bubble Hour. Plus, get access to the entire backlist ad-free by joining us on Patreon. Patron support helps with the ongoing expense of making free versions of the show available, as well as the cost to make new content like our spin-off podcast, Tiny Bubbles. Become a Bubble Hour patron today at patreon.com slash thebubblehour and help us help others through stories of strength and hope.
2: These are things that I drink over, these things that where I felt so awful on the inside. And but I wouldn't let you know that. And um, Lisa, is, you know, had said it a million times, my inside didn't match my outside. Then. But it's, I, it's just something that, you know, it takes a lot of practice. And for me, it was, like I said, things stop a lot. It was almost like a physical thing I had to do at first. And then it became, and now it's like a habit for me. And I love how you were saying, like Holly was saying, watching, watching your thoughts. That's so cool. Like, and cause that's how I feel. I feel like I literally step out of myself and mm-hmm. watch my thoughts. And I didn't even know I was doing it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. So I, it, thank um, you. Um, Thanks, that's perfect, Amanda. I know that this is Lisa. And I know that for me, I'm the queen of, I feel like I'm very negative about myself, or I used to be. And when I first got sober, I wore a yellow rubber band around my wrist. And every time I had a negative thought, I would pop the rubber band. And physically popping myself would immediately remind me to change my pattern of thought. So I would try to turn my negative thought into something positive, which was not always easy to do. Especially at the beginning of sobriety. And now I find that I feel a negative thought, of course, and I force myself to kind of, like you just said, I mean, that, you know, take a look at these thoughts and try my hardest to correct them right then. And what I found is instead of, of, again, like you, Taking everything so seriously and just acting like every negative thought is true. You know, a thought is not a fact. A thought is not a fact. Right. I say that to myself over and over again. And I think it's starting to kind of sink in and I feel like now I'm able to laugh at myself and I don't take myself so seriously and That has probably been my saving grace in sobriety. I mean, for me, laughter is medicine, and I'm able to kind of really truly laugh at the ridiculous things that I'm thinking and try to redirect them. Yeah. And because life is too short to be miserable and find all of my flaws and faults and focus on nothing but that all the time. So, that's my share. I love well, that. Awesome. Yeah, I do feel so carefree and free, like getting rid of that baggage. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. isn't it fun to not be so serious all the time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no time for that. You it's got to see that I'm wearing a special hand for <laughs> in honor <laughs> of this. <time>. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> being able to laugh over the things that you drink over. Right. And that's the thing that amazed me, that if I'm if i have been unhealthy. <laughs> Healthier, more balanced state of mind. I actually can have a <laughs> sense of humor about it. it drive me nuts. But it still, like, and I, as, a, as you're all sharing, I'm thinking, Ellie. I'm thinking again about how the reason that we're talking about this on this particular show on the Bubble Hour is how, and how. So, the Holly said, particularly resonated with me on this. That this is the way that alcohol makes in, sometimes the back door. It, it can be so subtle how these things sabotage your recovery, because I realized so much how setting myself up for disappointment or generalizing about my, what a bad person I am or I'm still very much prone to doing this, but I used to do it all the time when I was drinking and have a conversation with somebody and walk away from it and rewrite the conversation like, mm-hmm. about a hundred times in my head. Like, I should have said that, and then they would have said this, and then this would have gone. It's like the simplest conversation of the most innocuous mm-hmm. thing. But it was my way of beating myself up because my disease wants me low. You know, low. my alcohol wants not me to feel shame and feel as though I'm not worthy. If I'm not worthy, then I have an excuse to drink. Mm-hmm. And that can be, it doesn't mean that you're going to run to the liquor store and drink today. Right. But the cue of I these negative thought patterns is really, really dangerous. And i somebody else in sobriety pointed out to me that, you know, this is the way that you were talking about the tracks in your brain, that retreating your brain to think in a more... Positive framework felt really cheesy to me, like almost inauthentic Almost like that, I'm, you know, that my feelings feel badly right now because I am annoyed. You know, like, like I almost felt unnatural. You fake. don't fake right? yeah, it so you make it work. But then eventually, you, you make like it. when you're dieting or starting an exercise program or any kind of behavior or habit change, you do it enough and it will become automatic. Mm-hmm. Right. So the other thing that resonated with me is that bringing back, oh, the, being able to watch the thoughts or be kind of, I, I'm laughing to myself, like one of the things I like to beat myself up over is that I shouldn't be thinking negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hello, you know, that I wipe that shit up. I could feel anything so guilty over, but forgiving myself that just having the awareness doesn't mean that I'm going to do it right all the time. Right, like, right. Awareness, right. awareness is more than half the battle, and so if I'm okay. aware of it, Sometimes we'll be able to stop it before it happens, but well the kind I of why? but like the, the nature of the beast that just kinda of have to cultivate our ability to even get to the point where you can say a mm-hmm. I never even had that much before. I think a big part this is Holly, I think a big part of it that that I realized um, I was so disappointed in myself because of my drinking. And Amanda I said it, you know, perfectly, my insides didn't match my outside. And I am such a loyal friend and I'm such an encourager and a supporter of other people. And people would make the smallest gains and I would be right behind them. You know, you go, girl. That's great. That's fantastic. And I was so brutal to myself. If I had seen myself treating me the way that I was treating me, I would never have stood for it. I would go out on a limb to encourage other people why I was so mean to myself Mm -hmm. and so unforgiving to myself when you know nine times nine times of the ten things I was doing I was doing really it was that one thing I would never treat anybody else the way I treated myself yeah, yeah. and it was that recognition that I really am deserving of being treated well mentally as well as physically mm-hmm. and if that was a big part of it and and once I Once I stopped drinking, once I started, you know, living a life where my insides matched my outsides, that's when that thinking started to come around. And I realized, you know what? I really do deserve to be treated better than the way I've been treating myself. Eat stop kicking your own ass. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those things. Lisa, this is Lisa again. That was redundant. (laughs) (laughs) Something that- Stumpies yourself up. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) That was a
2: brilliant move. (laughs) Got that. One of the things that popped up for me when I was hearing um, some sharing was uh, something that somebody told me and told me repeatedly because I needed to hear it ever and ever again was that, you know, my first thought is not always mm. right. <laughs> Sometimes my second thought is not always a good idea. But it's I also learned that it's not what I think, it's what I do. I can think about drinking. I can think that I suck as a person. I can think you suck as a person. I can think about, you know, hurting you, I can think about hurting myself, but it's what I do, and and I think it was the, some of the stuff that Ellie was talking about, you now my train of thought is starting to leave the station, but, um, <laughs> but it was just that first thought wrong, first mm-hmm. thought wrong, you know, and so a lot of times when I have a first thought, I don't beat myself up anymore about having it, because I remember my friend who should always say, well, that's, I'm not responsible for my first thought. Like, who's that? responsible for their first thought? You know, mm-hmm. it's like me being responsible for having brown hair, right? Which is quite lustrous, might I? <laughs> 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 see, we're going the other way now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> i the, way but, um, <laughs> the legal We've, legal We've recovered far too much. Our next show so, is <laughs> <so, laughs> to the on humility. <laughs> right. Lisa <laughs> 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 Hates
1: was
2: the first. The <laughs> no, I should see the listener. So I just mean, I, but I love that. My, you know, I'm not responsible for my first thought. And, you know, sometimes I have to have three, four, five, seven thoughts before I get to mm-hmm. the appropriate thought and then take the right action. And mm-hmm. that's, that's all I've got for that. Sorry. I like that. it is great. I like that. that. That's great. Hi, um, I'm Angel. I've been listening and I, I've been working on this for a long time because I know that one of the reasons why I drank was because I couldn't get the voice shut up, you yeah. know. Like, okay. they were constantly there, yeah. constantly beating myself up. So I was trying to always <laughs> just shut them up and just keep them down. And, which actually, drinking makes her worse. Yeah. I used yeah. well, yeah. to you know, because you don't get to John. John. Yeah. You yeah. realize that they're screaming at one point. You're like, no, no, keep She's going. Fine. But mm-hmm. I realized that when I'm driving in the car, like I was telling you, I, I'm driving in the car and I'll go for like 15, 20 minutes in the car. And it's just me berating myself. I just constantly, what I've done over the week, what I haven't gotten done, what do I look like? How does my hair look? Look at myself. Like, I, I, and finally, I stopped. And I just, the whole, like Amanda said, stop, stop it. You know, this is ridiculous. You can't keep doing this to yourself. So I started, like, doing Okay, you know what? we will be nice to myself, so I'll start to myself. You're do the real compliment. Oh, you look great today. You know, <laughs> do <laughs> smile and you say this to your you and everything. And, and I work on that so hard. And something, even if it's just, like, in my head, making like, a in a to list because mm-hmm. I'm having such a rough day and I know I'm being so negative on myself. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, like, walking somewhere or something, I'm like, you know what? It's not out and I'm breathing. And if that's all i got right now, it, it's working for me. And, mm-hmm. and, like, in the past few weeks, I'm going through a whole bunch of stuff, and I was doing the all there mattered. You know, nothing's ever going to work out for me. I was sitting completely down on myself and, and freaking out. Damn, Nick normally would have gotten me to drink. It would have totally put me right over the edge, and I would have been drinking, like, a 30-pack in, like, two seconds. But I, I remembered, you know what? I have accomplished other things, and so I did my list. But it was my little accomplishment, right? It's my little gratitude. So It's not perfect. And, but it worked and it helped to just stop and think and try, just breathe. Right. Take a moment, breathe, and then, and try to work it out. And it, it helps. And like you say, making groups, you're making, you have to make other groups, right? Mm-hmm. You have to get off of that track and move and keep going and, yep. and go other places. You know, do you church, anything.
1: <laughs> so right. yeah
2: yeah and so that's what. Right. and hope that basically yeah this is great yes another good thing like along these lines that i learned is that i um is i can't change people place their thing and that's something that used to drive me insane and get me in the worst spot in the world like i would just I ruled the world basically, and you know, I was gonna, con- I was gonna change you. You're gonna do it how I wanted you to do it, and and it was just, it w- it would drive me insane. And it was just, it would, I would be, I would be in a state of frustration, uh, like constantly frustrated. And that is no, that is so annoying. So acceptance, you know, you talked about acceptance when you were reading some of the things, and accepting that I can't change those things is it's, it's it's very, it's incredibly freeing. Mm-hmm. I would never have if you told me that when I was drinking I wouldn't have understood that mm-hmm. at all I just wouldn't have understood it that by letting go I was giving myself freedom and and that I, I you know I can't control those things it's like it's not that I still have to take my own action and do the right thing but I can only control what I do and you know it, it, it's, it makes life a lot easier it's a lot mm-hmm. less frustrating and i I I drank at control, you know. Really, I, I tried to control people in my life, and I would get frustrated with them. They weren't doing what I wanted them to do, and it, it's again setting yourself up. Oh, well, I can drink, and actually, that was that was I would do that. It, I mean, it was like I was drinking at them, mm-hmm. and it's that's so kind of pretty I mean, right. I mean, and it, that's you know that we talked too about. You know, that's like you know taking the poison and you know and hoping the other person die.
1: You know, yeah.
2: it's so, you know, changing, changing how I thought about things and just coming to that realization and accepting things as they are. And sometimes I just have to, if things aren't how I want them to be, I just have to move on mm-hmm. and, you know, or in or accept that they are how they are. And it's really freeing. So. Hi, I'm Moira. and hey, hey, um, the I can kind of relate and see most of the situations, you know, the 10 examples or whatever. The thing that I have trouble with is the, I don't know what it's called, but where my kids are concerned. I struggle with, if they're struggling, I totally blame myself. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Not even necessarily my drinking, but I it always comes back to me and i that is a huge struggle for me i feel like i can work on the other stuff that the me and i have people that help me deal with that but whenever my kids are in pain i somehow get it back to me and i don't know whether that's my ego or my pride or or my alcoholism or or what it is but i think that that's where where I have trouble, so I really need to like work on that. So if anyone has any pointers,
1: real. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think, I think that's common too in with parenting in general. But I, I also think that falls into the control category because I am, you know, when one of my kids is going through something, I feel like I talked about it, even by coming to this over weekend that I feel like I need to be there somehow my mere presence is going to make everything. Better. I can give myself too much power, and not in an arrogant way, not in an easy way, but kind of like a, a controlling line. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, and I realize being able to access and let go that, you know, they're on their own journey and that other people are just as capable as I am, if not more, oftentimes, of taking care of them. And then I, I, I can't, accepting that I can't fix everything, that I can't put my red right cape on and scoop in yeah. and just make it all okay, and, you know if I'm really honest, I realized when I drank, I thought I could. You know, I really... Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. in a little delusional bubble of awesome mothering until the next morning when I was the worst father. I wasn't the right. awesomest was the worst mother overnight. Mm-hmm. And there's that polarization, that generalization again of all or nothing. And we talked... This also makes me think about how we talk a lot about the scale of one to ten. Like, I love ten, I love one, but I hate five. Yeah. yeah. Vital yeah. for you, it's was, it was not... I'm not comfortable with it. It's boring or it's something, it's just not and then oftentimes when me, control thing when you Amanda and Moira when you guys are talking about control, so often and you mentioned too, Amanda, the sort of the art of the pause, ta at time. You know, if I don't try to control something, if I don't jump in with my red cape on and I let things just kind of unfold in a patient way, they often resolve themselves in ways that I couldn't ever have possibly foreseen. And patience is not one of my songs. <laughs> is it not, not your birthday? No, instant gratification takes too long. You know, it's just—it's not, a, and I, the art of the pause and being able to kind of accept and let go and say, I could jump in here and muck around and kind of interfere and it might turn out in a way that I think is better for me and my fear, but it may not be better for the person who is like, my kid in particular. Right. I they just blow shit up when I do that. Thing. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. and <it's> something a Slayer at some point. man, <laughs> <What>?
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I kind of think that it's part of the uh, the whole acceptance and letting go and being patient and and basically going against all of my first reactions, which are control, Impatient. impatience, anger, and beating myself <laughs> up. Yeah, you know, like if I had only done trash cards with her, she wouldn't accept that. Yeah. Well, you no, know, yeah. What am I going to do when she's thirty seven and work me in her job and she gets a bad job review and that because I didn't pick her up at school? I mean, it gets, if you really think about it, it's such a slippery slope I mean, I'm giving myself way too much. We were talking about this before we started recording the show. If I'm not, if, if I'm to... going to accept the, I can't accept the credit or the blame. Right. I'm totally right. willing to take the blame, bring it on, like beat myself up, yeah. make myself feel worse. But when she does something great, yeah, because I'm a great mom, like, why is it that those negative voices are so much easier than the positive ones? Exactly. Right. Well, that's because we're in that groove that Holly talks about. And so, like, you know, getting out of that, it's just a matter of patience. For me, it's a matter of patience and faking a thought that I might not actually have. Like, she's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. okay. I think parenting is a real trap, particularly for alcoholics, because it's all right with possibilities of guilt and and not being enough. Just what if I'm not enough? What if I'm yeah. not a good enough mother? And then everything that's intended with that. And I think that's one huge area where we as women, particularly as mothers, just beat the crap out of ourselves. Yep. Oh, yes. And, and, and it, it's so hard because, like Ellie said, she put her finger right on it. Like somehow we have the magic potion and are going to make their lives completely stress-free, no problems. They can walk through life without a single tear,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and and that that? well, that's what we would like like to do. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be great. They came out of us in a way, you know. It's like we did all that, and then it's hard to kind of. But it's and let them Right, but right. if you continue to do that for them, then they never learn anything. Right. You know, the the phrase God enters us through our wounds. It's only in by being the lessons that we learn the best are the ones that hurt, but then we have to as mothers sit by and watch them hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is so hard about it that situation. Entirely. Yeah. Well no, no I terms, don't like it. Sorry, it back to the assumption that I can fix it. But right. I didn't have that the expectation. What is that An expectation? It's just a so, resentment right, waiting to happen. Well, yeah, not yeah, like, right. Have that unrealistic expectation. I talked about, about that on the list too, of being able to fix everything. Right. Then I can't take the, the blame thing. for the failure. Right. right. Again Again, point one. You know, somewhere in the middle is, is the truth. Please, age H- again. I'm, I just wanted to add something really quick that somebody else had told me. I've told a lot of stuff, and and I need to be told a painful. lot of stuff. <laughs> but what i was hearing a lot is that. Um, the illusion of power, that we have all this power, especially with our kids, and that we're responsible, like, for the credit and the failure and whatever, and the truth is, I don't have that much power. I remember showing somebody who was really rooting for me, I think, several the first 30 days, because I was afraid she would cry if I drank, and that's the only reason I hung on for dear life. I was miserable, mm-hmm. I was cursing, I was screaming, I was like, this sucks, it doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. And then I told my friend, I only skipped ever for you because I thought you'd cry. And she just laughed. <laughs> and she said, don't tweet, but you don't have that kind of power over me. Mm-hmm. And I hated her for that for about a week. And then I got over it. But, but that really impressed upon me. And she would always remind me in every situation, you don't have that kind of power. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think that that goes for everything. And that sums up all of my problems. right there. Mm-hmm. I just sit there and go... I cannot control what right. Ellie's gonna do, what she thinks. You know, mm-hmm. people think I'm a loon. I just—it doesn't really matter. Right. All I can do is save myself, do the best I can, and then give myself mad props for doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, nice. thank That's the Thanks. thing. I think we're, we're going to all open enough just to ask if anybody else wants to share. But coming to the end here, but I. Um, when you said about giving yourself too much power, it also makes me think about the negative self-talk that I do when I'm giving other people too much power. That's the other
1: part mm-hmm. yeah. of with
2: Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I had a situation with somebody a couple of years ago, and it was just eating me up, and I was in that obsessive trap. And somebody just said, you're giving that person a lot of power over you, and that made me angry. And I said, no, I'm not. You know, but <laughs> it made me realize that. That, that shaming talk, that guilt talk, that way that I speak to myself about doing anything wrong is usually because I'm letting somebody, mm-hmm. I they say rent too much space in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, giving them my power, I'm giving, handing my power over to them. And, you know, if anything helps me, sometimes i have an obsessive thought pattern that's so insistent that I, I just have to sort of think, like, where are you, you know, I, somebody else said to me one time, you have a, a picture of a glass of water, a full glass of water at the beginning of the day. And at the end of the day, you're going to have an empty glass. Where are you, that's your energy, that's your, you know, your, your energy, basically. And where are you going to afford that? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to, you say you have an empty glass, where's that energy going to have gone? Are you drinking any of it for yourself? Are you giving it away to somebody who doesn't deserve it or somebody who's toxic to you? Because one of my biggest traps is people-pleasing. And no. so, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to be like, I'll try the hardest with the person I can least likely to went over in my own mind, and I kind of I think about where I'm putting that water now. Kind of am like I giving that to somebody who's abusing it or who is making me think negative thoughts? Sometimes that helps me reverse it a little bit.
1: hmm You know, just, yeah, like power. So, <laughs> Does
2: anybody else have anything that they want to add or share? Or- Thank you, ladies, Thanks for sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, it's fun. All right. Thank you, everyone. Hey, good night. All right. Thank you for listening to the Bubble Hour. Good night. Oh, and, oh yeah, that's right. I'm yeah, that's giving me my, my the signal over here. Um, <laughs> make sure. no, Make sure. Yeah, I have so much power <laughs> now, I'm telling you what to do. <laughs> do <laughs> what Ellie I said, said. Do what I said. <laughs> what I do. Um, but do it and do it now. <laughs> we always like to point out at the end of the show that our website is www.thebubblehour.com, and there you are able to look at any of our shows, either on the site or find out how to subscribe to our podcast. And you also can, Amanda's now making funny of We <laughs> <laughs> never do this show live again. Yeah. Um, there's also a tab there that has resources that you could look into for recovery support, either online or offline, and our email to contact us is also there anytime. So thank you for listening to the Bowl Hour. Thank night.
1: you. Good night. Night. night.
2: Good night. night. Good, night. Night. Good night. night. Adios. Peace out. I
1: own it. I didn't. Not proud but that was me and I face it. I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from the power weakness had on me. In a dark corner is where shame lies to hide. We oh, you think you're strong just cause you'll keep it on the side. Just stays and wait there To rob you of your pride Turn the light on, turn the light on You can shine When you say I did that Not proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to